0: It's the Eggship Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the creator of The Ag Ship, a credentialed outlet covering Utah State football and men's and women's basketball for $6 or $10 a month. Straight to your inbox. Not going to do the whole spiel here. I know I say this every week, but I'm really not going to do the whole spiel here. Just go to www.theagship.com. I'm um, going to keep this one fairly brief because I'm putting it out on Saturday morning, the day of Utah State versus Air Force homecoming game for Utah State, uh, very, very, very big game for Utah State here. Um, not the first conference game of the season. That would be the UNLV game a couple weeks ago, but the first real true dive, the start into conference play. Cause after this, it's six more straight conference games. Um, and Utah State enters conference play here with, uh, despite its record being what it is, despite being one and four overall, um, with all of its its hopes still very much in front of it, only 0-1 in conference play. Uh, if it is to win out, that would include beating every other team in the mountain, meaning that it would have the tiebreaker over over everybody. Um, winning out is obviously not an ideal goal to have to have, especially when you started one 1-4, but Utah State seems to have some confidence in its ability to make some things work and to compete to uh, to, to pull that off, to make that happen. Um, and that is going to start here on, on Saturday with this game against Air Force. Um, Air Force brings with it its own sort of expectations of a game because of the reputation that it has offensively, because of the fact that it has been very good in recent years. Utah State has played Air Force close a lot recently. Last season, of course, was the 49-45 to shootout in which Neither defense was getting off the field. Neither defense was doing a whole lot of anything. uh, And the offense has reigned. And ultimately, Utah State was able to win that shootout. Um, My expectation is that this game probably cannot afford to be like that if Utah State wants to win. I I don't think that Utah State has the offensive firepower to sustain that sort of game this season, at least not to this point. Um, I think that the key here at least uh, the the general key for Utah State is going to be getting off the field defensively, is going to be just trying to slow down the Air Force offense, making sure that it doesn't have these long, sustained drives super frequently, making sure that it's not generating huge plays. Um, and then offensively for Utah State, making sure that it's not going three and out and, and putting the defense right back onto the field after long drives. Um, it is not... It is not as easy as it sounds. You can't just shut down Air Force. It's it's there's a lot more going into it than that. Um, but uh, the, the I guess the best way to to look into how you get how you can go about doing that is probably to look at the personnel on the offense. And what better place to start than with quarterback Hazek Daniels, who is one of the better uh, service academy quarterbacks of recent memory. He is very much of that sort of Malcolm Perry um, Keenan Reynolds. (laughs) I'm going to forget all of the quarterbacks who have played at the service academies, but he's very much of that ilk. Christian Anderson at, at army. He is very, very good at what he does within the, the offense. He's very good at directing the option. Um, but he has the added benefit of a pretty, pretty great arm as well. He's very strong. He's accurate. Throws the ball down the field well, and Air Force uses that. Not frequently, but it likes to pick its spots uh, for down-the-field play action, especially. Um, and he's been he's been pretty lethal in that regard this season. I think he's only completing about 50% of his passes, but most of the passes that he completes are for big gains. Uh, Air Force likes to stay ahead of the chains and then break out the, the play action on plays where it would probably usually run so that the defense actually has a reason to buy it air force's passing success does not frequently come on passing downs which is you know third and i think it's third and six and beyond is what's considered a passing down second and eight and beyond or something like that i don't know off the top of my head there's there's a <clears throat> there there's a uh, a definition of it somewhere on the the college football advanced stats uh, world but I believe that third and six plus is a passing down. Um, Usually when Air Force is going to have success through the air, it won't be on plays like that because a lot of their success through the air kind of depends on the defense not expecting a pass, and you're going to always kind of expect a pass on the passing down. Um, But regardless, Daniels is a very, very good player. He's somebody who Utah State, I think, will need to do a lot of work to help neutralize. Very quick, very difficult to sort of, keep under wraps within that offense. As I said, he runs it very well. Very good ball handler does not turn the ball over very often. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And usually he makes the right read. And that, that is always going to be tricky against an option team is when the quarterback is not playing himself into losses, when he's not making the wrong read, when he's not making things a little bit easier on you. And his, Daniels doesn't do that, which is what part of what makes him so good. Um, Joining him in the backfield is tailback John Lee Eldridge and fullback Brad Roberts. I'll start with Eldridge. He is the speedy back here. He is the big playback. He is often the pitchman on the triple option, so he's the second guy who could get the ball after the initial read. Um, they usually use him to go stretch the, stretch the field. He is kind of their boundary pusher. Um he lightning fast very 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 fast Um, they use him a little bit more frequently as a ball carrier than their counterparts at army and navy do with their speedier backs this is a little bit of a different triple option than those as well um it's a little bit less focused on true slot backs and more of a a two-back kind of option Uh, with the fullback and the tailback and so John Lee Eldridge is is he's less of a gadget player than you would see at Army and Navy um the the guy who filled his role very well several years ago who comes to mind is Caden Rimsburg um who I'm sure Utah State has plenty of familiarity with he was very good He was very very good in that role um I can't remember who the other guy was. It was uh, it was like Jacoby Owens or something like that. He did it as well, and he was also very good. Uh, it's that role. It is meant for a faster back, certainly meant for a smaller back. He's only 5'9", 195, but he's not that far from a usual halfback. You could put John Lee Eldridge... On Utah State's roster, you could put him on Fresno State's roster. You could put him on Boise State's roster, and he would look pretty at home as a halfback rather than as a uh, as an option tailback. Um, and they they use him. They'll use him on inside run. They're not afraid to. He's big enough to do that. Uh, but primarily, you're going to see him as the pitch man. You're going to see him going to the outside. He'll generate some of their big plays on the ground. Um, it's it's sort of hard to really lock in on a plan to stop him because it really does just come down to tackling him in open space and that's that's a lot of what you're going to hear about you know the triple option about a triple option offense is that the best way to defend it is to just do your job uh fill gaps the right way stick to your assignments rush to the football and don't miss on your tackles once you get there. in some ways, that's true. Absolutely. In some ways, that's true. That's 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 defensive football in general. Uh, the the better you are at sticking to your assignments, generally speaking, unless you're just supremely overpowered on the in the talent department, um, the more disciplined you are, yes, the better you'll be on defense. And that's especially true against the triple option because it wants to punish a lack of discipline. But. That is not that. That is not a solution. Make I would say it's. It's not just about being gap sound. It's not just about following your assignments. And with the pitch man, it's a little bit tricky to scheme anything else up because you're going to have a force player, uh, in, in, in any defense, but in the four-two-five specifically, um, the way that the option is traditionally defended, and uh, the way that I would guess Utah State is going to defend it from the four-two-five is that you have your A-gap players, your B-gap players, your C-gap players, and your force players. Um, so what that means, basically, as far as I understand it, uh, is that your interior players, your linemen, your nose tackle, your defensive tackle, um, those are your A-gap defenders. Those are the guys who are worried largely about fullback dive. I'm going to get to the fullback in a second. He's very good. Um but the A-gap defenders on the on the interior of the defensive line are responsible exactly for what it sounds like, the A-gap. So they need to get inside between the guard and the center. That's the A-gap on either side of the offensive line. They need to win a matchup. They need to stop the fullback. Uh, and linebackers can be there to help. Safeties can be there to help. But you you really, against this defense, you need your tackles to be good. You just do. Um, the B-gap players are your linebackers, uh, M.J. Stifisi and A.J. Von Pachon for Utah State. Um, these guys are exactly what it sounds like. They can help to spill the inside runs. They can help to make plays on that. But their primary responsibility is between the guard and the right tackle because option offenses do not always just attack the A-gap on the inside run. They will gladly attack the b-gap they will gladly run counter they will gladly run trap um and that's where the linebackers come in that is sort of what they do and those guys can make plays outside of these assignments all of these guys can but that is generally how you want to handle things as a defense the c-gap players are the defensive ends that's outside of the tackles inside of a tight end um that would be the guy responsible for the quarterback if he is to keep the ball um, and then your fourth player is somebody like Kaleo Neves or Hunter Reynolds or Gervin Hall, who still have not heard anything on Gervin Hall. Would have liked to maybe <laughs> hear something on Gervin Hall at some point. Um, but the uh, NCAA has no oversight on that sort of thing. And so they just sort of don't have to, um, <clears throat> which I understand. There's, you know, there's some sort of advantage to your opponent not knowing. Who it will be going up against? I don't know if it's really as significant as maybe coaches think it is, but would have been nice to know all the same. <clears throat> um, but regardless, Kaleo Neves, Hunter Reynolds, potentially Gervin Hall, potentially Ike Larson, potentially Dom Tatum, who's to say? That's your force player that's the guy who is going to generally be responsible for the pitch man. And that is they're, 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 they're the force player because they're going to try and force the play outside. Um, and then whoever the, the remaining safety is, that'll be your man in the alley who can step up and, and make a play if any of those front eight fail to. Um, but that's generally the way that it works. And all of this requires going out, winning your matchup, um, going out, making a play, being gap sound sticking to your gaps uh, and then especially in open space for those horse players just you got to be solid you got to be solid and it's it's uh, that that is how that's how it's done as a, as a base usually and I would expect that we'll see something a lot like that for Utah State this is pretty basic stuff. Um, where things could get more fun is with blitzes you can have some success with blitzes against this team you got to be careful about it they have to be well designed um but i personally am a big fan of overload blitzes to one side with stunts to the other side it is a way to maintain a balanced d- defense that does not look balanced uh which is really really important against this kind of offense because you can change the blocking assignments in the play um you can mess with blocking assignments basically you can you can move around where guys on the offensive line are going to be aiming and sometimes that can be a really hard adjustment for them even on a line like this that's really good um and I think that, I think Efren Bonda is, I have a lot of reason to think that he will be able to dial that, dial that sort of thing up. He has been very, very good throughout his career at dialing up overload blitzes, um, and I have no real reason to think that that wouldn't be a part of the game plan here for Utah State. Um, I'm going to take a, take a sip of coffee here before I, before I dive back into Brad Roberts. It's, uh, it's early here on Saturday morning, so we're, we're just getting ready. All right, Brad Roberts, um, one of the best fullbacks in school history already. He's well on his way to <clears throat> a very, very high finish on the career rushing yards uh, leaderboard at Air Force. He's he's already up over two thousand. He started twenty two games. Um, I talked about a lot of this stuff in yesterday's film review. If you are interested, if you're a flagship tier subscriber, go check that out. If not, go subscribe. Uh, it would be it would be great to have you. Um, but Roberts is just really good. He's, he's not really a huge guy. He's 5'11", 215. He's not like a giant fullback who's just going to be barreling through you. He is another guy who, I think if you put him on a different team, he would look like a pretty regular halfback. He'd be a really good one. Um, but he is sort of the key to all of this if you're the defense. And then it's, it's the first part of the option, but it is the part that against Air Force specifically, you need to be the best against. You need to be ready to go against it. Um, because I think the stat that I pulled was that he, they're 12-1 they're in his, in 13 games of his where he has rushed for at least 100 yards, I want to say. Um, that sounds right. And then they're 16-2 they're in games of his in which he gained at least 4 yards per carry. I think that's right. Um, I might be I might be flipping those. Regardless, he's really good. He's really good. Utah State last season is the only team to survive him having a good game. Uh, Wyoming helped to worked really hard to shut him down. Sixteen carries for fifty four yards. That's what the service academy teams always try to do against these guys. And they are usually the defenses that have the most success against this kind of offense. Um, the 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 easiest way, the fastest way. The re, really the only reliable way to slow down Air Force's offense is to start with Brad Roberts. The, the dives cannot be killing you. He cannot be getting six, seven yards a dive, um, because they'll be ahead of the chains all afternoon. That's when they can start to hit the play action. That's when they can start to do a little bit more advanced stuff. First down, if it's a dive, it's got to go for one or two yards. It, it just it has to. You you gotta. He can have some plays, but. You gotta slow him down, uh, and the the just bodies in the box, uh, defensive tackles making plays, linebackers making plays, safeties stepping up and making plays. It has to be all hands on deck. It has to be a full team effort to slow him down because he's really, really good. Um, he's going to be pretty much the key of the offense, I think. Uh, on the outside, David Cormier and Ben Jefferson are the starting wide receivers with Kyle Patterson at tight end. It's a pretty veteran offensive line. Uh, all upperclassmen starters, it's a good group. Um, it seems that they're going to be without wide receiver Dane Kenneman, who has been valuable for them this season. But Cormier is kind of the the leading big play wide receiver that they have every year. Last year it was Brandon Lewis, who was really good at it. Cormier is up to 200-some yards already this season on five receptions. Um, if there's a deep shot within the offense, it'll probably go to him. He's a big body, 6'3", 225. He is somebody who the defense will need to keep an eye on for sure there's there's no you can't cheat off of the wide receivers within this offense because they'll just burn you down the field um and that that is going to be the other real thing here is is just not allowing big plays uh you know it's slowing down brad roberts it's slowing down the efficiency and then it is not letting them rip you over the top you know it's 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 making sure that you keep everything in front of you in the secondary And doing so largely with man coverage because you're going to have so much dedicated to the box, uh, so much dedicated to stopping the run, Um, and it's just uh, it's it's another one of those things. You just need guys to win matchups, and you need your cornerbacks to go out and win matchups. I think Utah State is fairly confident in these cornerbacks. I think they can, in theory, absolutely they can handle it. Um, I would guess that Hunter Reynolds is going to be the safety who's largely responsible for helping. With the with the back end coverage if Gervin Hall is unavailable for the first half then then maybe that changes but I would guess that Reynolds is probably going to be the better pass defender of whoever's back there and I would expect that he will sort of finish the the group of pass coverage guys while the rest of the defense can help to handle the the option stuff because you really need seven or eight on every play to help defend the option. Um, and I would guess that that will be that will be the plan for Utah State. Um, as for the Utah state defense, I don't believe there are any major injuries that we know of that we have seen listed now. Granted, we have not been privy to injury news ahead of time in recent weeks. So all of this is very tentative. Um, I will just say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's going to play. I would assume that most of them are. Um, but we have not again, been very privy to that. Uh, on the other side of the ball for the air force defense, This is what much of the film review was about. Um, They can be moved around a little bit. This is a smaller defensive line, as you would expect from the the service academies. Let me take another sip here. This is a smaller defensive line, as you would expect from the service academies. Uh, Defensive ends, Christopher Herrera, Vince Sanford, and Bo Richter are all... Fairly undersized. Herrera isn't. He's 6'5", 265, but Sanford and Richter are both former linebackers and kind of still play that role sometimes, even if they've been working largely as edge rushers this season. On the inside, there's a little bit more size uh, with guys like Kalawai uh, Pescaya, I'm going to say. He's uh, 6'0", 295, and and then uh, James Tomasai, who's 6'0", 305. Uh, but you also have guys like Jaden Thurgood, who's six three two fifty, or Caden Bloom, who's six five two sixty five. Right? Those are interior linemen. They could be moved around, and that was sort of the lesson I think to learn from the Wyoming game is that if you have strength in the trenches, if you trust your offensive line, you can move these guys. You can move these guys, but it's a lot easier to do it to the side than it is straight up. Uh, they're 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 crafty. They can get off blocks pretty easily. They will get off blocks pretty easily and frequently. Um, They don't have a whole lot of issue with doing that, and I, I would expect that that's going to be a major focus for Utah State in trying to lead the way for the ground game is making sure that it can keep this defensive line under wraps as best it can and the best way to do that is to block down is to have outside zone runs is to have things like that it's you don't want to get too fancy on the offensive line against these guys and you don't need to do all that much misdirection because frankly they just won't fall for it they they what Air Force defense sees on a daily basis in misdirection is leaps and bounds (laughs) better than anything that Utah state could do. It is, it is hubris to think that you can misdirection Air Force's defense frequently. Um, the best way to beat them on the ground specifically is just to run at them, but, with a little bit of leverage advantage you want to have a leverage advantage whichever way you're running i think that having cooper laga as a running threat is going to be helpful in this game i'm optimistic about what utah state's offense can do here um against this defensive line and in general not going to see a ton of pass rush here not going to see a ton of explosiveness in general air force likes to keep things in front of it uh, behind that defensive line, we have T.D. Blackman and Alec Mock are the two primary inside linebackers, and then Jaden Goodwin is kind of a slot, nickel role. He's 6'1", 190. He's listed as a linebacker, but he does a little bit of everything. Um, I think you'll see all three of them pretty frequently. Uh, the linebackers sort of a similar story. You want to get them, you want to get them moving. They're very very solid tacklers, and once they can get arms on the on the ball carrier, they will make a play. Um, but if you can keep them off the ball carrier as much as possible, then the ball carrier will have a chance to make some things happen. In the second level, that is what Wyoming did. It stayed ahead of the chains by grinding out yards on the ground, picking up bigger gains to the outside, and and not getting discouraged by a few plays that didn't work on the ground. Um, And then behind them, uh, Ian Castonguay, uh, Michael Mack II, Trey Taylor, and Camby Goff are the two cornerbacks and two safeties, respectively. Goff and Taylor will both step into the box pretty frequently. Um, but generally, that is the alignment that you're going to see as those guys as regular safeties and the other two as regular cornerbacks. Um, to uh, continue uh, beating this offense, or this defense, to continue to have success as an offense against these guys, You need to have that running game, but the other thing that Wyoming showed that I think actually suits Utah State really well is the short perimeter passing game. Air Force runs a lot of cover three, runs a lot of softer shell stuff where what it really wants is to limit big plays, and by limit I mean eliminate to not have them, to not give up big plays. It likes to slow down the game, and and big plays are not great for that. Um, and so it likes to drop three into deep zones and then four into soft zones underneath and just tackle, tackle once you've completed passes. It does not, it does not really have a whole lot of interest in allowing passes across the middle. It's a pretty constricted cover three usually, and sometimes it'll be man, but it's usually going to be cover two or cover three, sometimes a little bit of cover four, but not as much. Um, it's it's uh, it's usually going to be that though and it's usually going to be pretty tight. It's going to be a pretty tight zone because they want to keep things in, in front of them in the middle of the field uh and they are basically just daring the offense to hit those those outbreaking throws to the perimeter. They're not easy throws for the quarterback. Um but Utah State has the benefit here of that's part of the offense. It's a big part of the offense. At least it it has been. We've seen it at times. Um, I'd like to see more of it. We've seen a lot of it these last two weeks, at least more so than we did in the first, uh, what is it, three games of the season, for sure. Um, I think that with Cooper Lega, especially, you're going to see a lot of those because they are trying to keep things pretty comfortable for him, trying to keep things pretty simple, and those routes are really easy uh, to read as a quarterback. They're probably going to be open. Brian Cobb's probably going to be open on hooks, on comebacks, on things of that nature. Um, and it's just about hitting them in time and, and not hesitating. Not not letting the defense trick you with, uh, sometimes it'll disguise the way that it drops into those zones, all that stuff. It likes to throw a lot at a young quarterback. It's just trusting your reads, trusting your assignments, and trusting that your wide receiver is going to make a play, even if, it in, uh, if, even if it ends up being contested, which it usually won't. And Then once they start to pack in, it's about backing them up again with the outside running game. It's about... Occasionally, you do want to hit some deep shots, or at least take them, just to keep the defense honest. Uh, I'm sure that that won't be an issue for Utah State. It, it it has a little bit of a of an attention span issue offensively, and I think that that taking deep shots is just going to be in its DNA. That it has to try every now and then. It's just 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 to see, just to see. Um, and I would expect that that'll be the case here as well. But I, I do think that Utah State's offense is pretty well suited to handle this sort of thing. I do think that. This is a game plan that makes sense for it. would really like to see more Robert Briggs in this game. I like Calvin Tyler Jr. a lot, but I think Robert Briggs is a better outside runner. I just do. I think he's quicker. He's got better vision. Um, I'd like to see him a lot in this game. I'd like to see Cooper Legault willing to keep the ball on more option-type plays. I'd like to see Alfred Edwards return. We will see about that. I know that Brock Lane is questionable. Uh, I would guess that he will not play. Um, so I would think it would be Josh Sturzer. He's been good this year. It, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, the more Josh, <laughs> Josh Sturzer they can get, the better, I would think. Um, I've not been super impressed with uh, with Ron Tiavasu, but they keep playing him, so I, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen it personally. Uh, regardless, I think that Utah State's in a pretty good place here. I think that coming into this game, Utah State should feel somewhat optimistic about what it can do. Obviously, Execution and discipline, and, and keeping the game in front of you, and and all of this, the, the the cliches that we say about every football game, but especially about a game against an option team like this, uh, apply here. Absolutely, we can say all of it. We can say you know any of the, you know just just taking it one play at a time. Got to be disciplined. Got to play gap sound assignment football. All of that stuff. It's true here. It is. Uh, there are other things that are true. There are schematic things that are true that are much deeper than that. But ultimately the foundation against a team like this has to be fundamentally sound football. Usually you're not going to beat these guys with five turnovers or 10 penalties or any number of things. They don't beat themselves. You can't beat yourself if you're going to try and, you know, knock them off. You can't. You cannot do it. They are too good to be doing that. Um, as for predictions, I said in the in the game preview, I think Utah State's going to win. I think Utah State's going to win close. I don't think it's going to be pretty. You don't go into this kind of game wanting it to be pretty, uh, or, or really even not even just wanting it. You always want it to be pretty as a football team. You always want to win in a really pretty way, but you feel really good after that. But you know coming into this game that you're not going to. You know coming into a game against this kind of offense, against this kind of team, that you're not going to win pretty. It's a street fight. It is about survival more than it is coming out without a shiner. Um, you're gonna have a shiner. They're gonna they're gonna cut block you. They're going to, and they're gonna do it well. You're gonna be frustrated by the offense. All of these things are true, um, but it's about survival. It's about going out and and doing enough to 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 steal away a win essentially. It is hard to have a dominant win against this kind of team. I don't expect that that'll be the case. The score that I have been thinking is something around a 20 to 17, 20 to 14 kind of thing. Um, I'm going to go with 20 to 14 here. I was almost spot on last week. I said 38 to 20, and Utah State had a late touchdown that, that made it made it wrong. But I was I was pretty close. I was pretty happy with that one. Um, but I'm going to go with 20 to 14 here. I think Utah State gets back on track and, and starts off conference season in earnest. With a bang, um, I will. Uh, I'll be back on probably Monday morning with the recap for this, uh, and I'll also mention for flagship tier subscribers. But if 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 you're not and you're interested, uh, I'm going to be immediately after this recording the flagship tier premium Q&A podcast uh, that is also going to be supplemented because there aren't a ton of questions and they're both basketball questions, I think. Um, It's going to be supplemented with scrimmage talk from Friday night's uh, blue and white men's basketball scrimmage. Um, Very, very, very interesting scrimmage. Very interesting scrimmage. It's got my brain going for basketball stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, And if you are interested in that, you can read my game notebook, which will be up now As you're listening to this on Saturday morning, or uh, you can subscribe to the flagship tier and you can listen to the Q&A podcast, which is going to have a lot of basketball scrimmage talk. Uh, On that note, uh, as I hit the just about the exact 30 minute mark, uh, I will catch you guys on Monday.